Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Be careful what you pray for, is all I've got to say. I was I was sitting uh, at my dorm room, and my phone rang. You notice I didn't say my cell phone rang. Uh, only astronauts had those back then, I think. And so my phone rang, and it was an ex-uncle of mine, who, a guy that used to be married to my aunt. And he's like, I knew I knew somebody in Lubbock, Texas. He said, you want to meet at, at IHOP and, and have breakfast? And I was like, well, absolutely. So we went over to IHOP, and he was sitting there, and he goes, you want a ranch job? Ta-da! The angels sang. I was like, yeah! He's like, well, you know, the San Pedro Ranch down there, they're looking for, for a ranch hand. And uh, anyway, he said, you know, it, it, it's not much money or anything, but it's, you know, free room and board and stuff like that. I was like, well, how much do they pay? He said, I'll pay you $600 a month for 15 hours a day and seven days a week. I was like, done! <laughs> I had $600 a month, I'll be rich! <laughs> you are rich at $600 a month when you have no job whatsoever. And so anyway, I got hired on at the San Pedro Ranch, and I went down there, and I, I was the only one on the ranch that spoke English. And so I told Antonio, the main guy that I was going to be working with every day, I was like, I want to learn Spanish. And he said, good, I'll teach you how to be a cowboy. I'm like, all right. You know, good deal. And, you know, there was some adjustment time. They were showing me what my duties were going to be. And, you know, I, I went into this that we were going to be riding out at dawn every morning on these big, massive steeds. We'd have our, our silk rags, you know, tied around, our wild rags tied around us, and, and people would be taking pictures of us as we rode by. Man, I had this lofty deal, you know, just to, you know, kind of the man from Snowy River every day riding down that deal and everything. And, and so, Man, my delusion of grandeur about my first ranch job was way up here. I'd only been there about three days, and they said, okay, in the morning, we're going to go get some hay. I was like, hey, man, I'm here to work cattle and be a cowboy. He said, I'm going to teach you how to be a cowboy. So we went to El Indio, Texas, which that translates to hotter than hell. <laughs> Literally, I mean, that, that's what it translates to. And so I remember passing by the fiery furnace on our way to this alfalfa field. And this alfalfa field had approximately 7 billion bales of 9,000 pound small square bales of hay. I don't know how they did it. I guess things are different down there. And, you know, the, the string was made out of Superman's hair so it didn't break. And I, I got down there, and I was like, okay, you know, what do you want me to do? And they said, you get in the trailer, we're going to bring it to you. I was like, man, great, this is going to be the easy job. I started looking closer at this trailer, and although it had vent holes, they were all clogged with dirt, and it was a solid, dark brown gooseneck trailer with no ventilation. The temperature... Yeah, you know, without being sarcastic, the temperature was around 600 degrees. I mean, yeah, you know, I could say it was like 900, but it wasn't. And so it, we, we get there, 
And so I'm standing in the trailer and uh, one guy's driving and I'm holding on and the first bell comes. They don't take it to the front of the trailer for you. I thought I was going to stack hay, but they put it right on the end and I had to walk from like here to Elbert in this trailer. And I, I know that despite what I look like, yeah, I'm not a very big guy. Uh, I'll never forget Brooke, the very first service we ever had. He walks up to me and Brooke looks at me. He goes, you know, you look a lot. <laughs> he said, you look a lot bigger on the internet. <laughs> nice to meet you too, cowboy. And so, anyway, they put this 9,000-pound square bell on the end of the trailer. And after this story, I know if I ever need a job, Ken will never give me a job after this. And so I pick up the bell. Of course, you have you ever, like, been straining and tried to act cool at the same time? So I get over there, and I put it down. And I was like, man, we're going to have a problem. Those things are heavy. And immediately the air was clogged with a visible, substantial fog of hanging alfalfa and dirt. To get out, I had to ninja my way out to the back of the trailer where there magically appeared 12 more bells. And I seen two cowboys coming and they had like nine bells in their hand. And they're like, doo -doo 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 -doo. so I grabbed two. So I did what any sensible man would do. I prayed, God, this is not what I asked for. So I found some black electrical tape. And of course, I wasn't going to tell anybody this, but I'm real allergic to hay. And so I took my asthma inhaler and I duct taped it to my face. <laughs> I just give me a dose about every three seconds. Huh. Slam my head against the deal, get a shot of asthma spray. By the time it was all said and done, I literally had this snot hanging down to here <laughs> that we could have bailed into an actual alfalfa bale. Sniffing didn't help. Blowing didn't help. I was as miserable a man as I could ever be. And those other guys were like, doo -doo 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 -doo. and I am absolutely dying. I finally get it all stacked in there. We get the door closed. I think we were out there for about nine days to load this one trailer of hay. You know in Joshua, in the Bible, when Joshua prays that the sun stands still, somebody prayed that that day. The sun stood right overhead for nine days and just beat down on us. And so I tried my cool walk to walk back to the truck. It's not. And I get in the truck and I roll down the window and I said, God, take me. I'm ready. I don't want to be a cowboy. I don't like this. 
And so we start going and, and everything. We're, you know, it's about an hour's drive back to the ranch. And I'll never forget there was this big O curve. And all I want to do is just go home. I just want to die. And we're driving along and I'm like, Lord, just let us get home. Let us get home. And as we're making this big corner, I watch an entire spindle and tire come off the trailer and pull up beside us like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, nothing, how are you? <laughs> well, we're on this big curve and nobody told the tire that there was a curve. And so have you ever watched something in slow motion? And you're just like, there's not a dang thing I can do about this. I'm like, there's a tire. There's the fence it's fixing to tear down because we're driving like 90 miles an hour and it's a big trailer tire. And I'm like, typical. Typical cowboy life. It reaches the bottom of the deal and God heard my prayers. He sent an angel to lift that tire. And it hit the bottom and cleared the fence and rolled out there as peacefully and just laid down like a little puppy dog. And I was like, thank you, God. Thank you for that. So we stopped the trailer and we, I mean, everything was shot. So we, you know, kind of duct taped the spindle up and just kind of crept back to the ranch. Well, anyway, we get to the ranch and I'm like, good night. We'll see you later. And they're like, we got to unload this. Hey, what? We just loaded it. That's like digging a hole and covering it back up. Can't we just feed out of the trailer? We can just back the trailer up, open the door, and the horses can come eat, and they can work their way to the front. It's a great idea. We've got other trailers. Use your head, people. You're working too hard. So Tomas, me and Tomas were working together. This time I got to be on the outside, which I thought would be better. But what I didn't realize is that I had to walk over there and climb the mountain and put them on top and stuff like that. And Tomas was about this big, about this big around, and like 90 years old. And he was grabbing two of those bells. I was like, I'm going to let him outwork me. And boy, we did this, and by the time it was over with, I was like, I quit. I don't want to be a cowboy no more. Last week, we talked about prayer and the problems with prayer because everybody always can say about all these unanswered prayers, well, I've been praying about that and it didn't happen. Or, you know, God doesn't answer my prayers. Why won't God hear me whenever I need this and, and it doesn't happen? We're going to talk about three problems. Last week we talked about the first one. And last week we talked about you have not because you ask not. A lot of people just think that, you know, well, I'm a Christian, so God just needs to give me all of this and give me that lap of luxury and everything like that. It doesn't work like that. You have not because you ask not. Today, what we're going to talk about is how do you pray and what do you pray for? If you remember Solomon, we're talking about uh, King David's kiddo. God basically asked Solomon, he said, I'll give you anything you want. Anything. How would anybody else like to have a blank check from God? And I don't mean just money, but you know, just a, just a blank, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. What would you ask for? There's about a thousand things that runs through our minds. 
But do you know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased that that is the one thing. He gave him a blank check and said, what do you want? And I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, wisdom. And he said, because you have asked, well, I will also give unto you all these things. Well, we're going to use another prayer of Solomon's as a basis of what we need to be praying for. Be careful what you pray for. In 1 Kings chapter 8, starting in verse 56 through uh, 61, Solomon has, has been at the altar of the Lord. He has been praying, and he says, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel just as He promised. Not one word has failed all of the good promises He gave through His servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. May He never leave us nor forsake us. May He turn our hearts to Him to walk in all of His ways and keep the commands, decrees, and regulations He gave our fathers. And may the words of mine which I have prayed before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night, that He may uphold the cause of His servant and the cause of His people Israel according to each day's need, so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other but your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by His decrees and obey His commands at this time. Wow. What did Solomon ask for in that passage? The wisest man to ever live besides Jesus. The wisest man who asked for wisdom, and God not only gave him more wisdom than anybody else, but He also made him the richest ruler to ever rule and, and all of this stuff. What would the wisest man to ever be born pray for? The first thing that Solomon prayed for in verse 57 was for God to be close. He said, may the Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. He, may He never leave us nor forsake us. You know, how much closer can God be to you than to send His Son in the form of a human? In the form of a man to show us the way, to show us how to be a Christian. Because in a lot of ways, we think we know what it's like to be a Christian, but is that the real way? Because I guarantee you, when I said, I want to be a cowboy, I had this great, great, grand plan of what that was going to entail. And I guarantee you, one of the first real lessons I learned away from my father's uh, guiding hand was a real tough one. We need someone to show us the way. And Solomon knew that he didn't know the way. He wanted God to be there with him all the time so that he could be shown the way. There is a trail to heaven. There is a trail to follow. Can you follow without a trail guide? Very difficult. So the first thing that Solomon asked for in his prayers, he said, man, God, I need you right beside me because I don't know the way. I want to follow you. And, and how much different do we all have that? And maybe not all of us, but you know, the general view of Christianity is, well, I'm going to go this way and I want God to come with me. Let's turn that around and let's say, you know what? God, I want to follow you and I want to be with you and I want you to be with me. But let's not get that turned around. 
God is not your blue healer pup that's going to tag along and jump in the back of the truck, stick his head out the window <laughs> as we go down the deal. That's not God. What we ought to be doing is giving God the keys and saying, you drive, I'll get in the back of the truck. I'll follow. Jesus himself said this. He said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, take up your cross and I'll come with you wherever you go. Well, I mean, he kind of did say that, but he wants you to be on the trail that he wants you to go. We're supposed to be following, not leading. Hey, God, come on this way. This sounds like a lot of fun over here. Solomon knew better than that. He wanted to be close to God. He wanted to be with God. He wanted to follow God. The second thing that Solomon asked for is in verse 58. He asked, he asked God, he said, turn our hearts towards you. Turn our hearts towards you. Too often when people become Christians and they start wanting to follow God, the first step is they always want to change all the bad things that they're doing. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But a lot of times what we don't understand is if our heart isn't in the right place, our feet, our hands, our mouth, and our minds cannot be in the right place either. Too often people want to change their actions, but they don't want to change their hearts. Solomon says... Turn our hearts toward you, God. Turn our hearts, because Solomon knew that the journey that he was going to start of following Christ, the first step is our hearts. Not our feet, not our mouth, not our minds, not our hands, not our actions. Without the heart, there can be nothing else. So too often, we, we want to be Christians and we start doing real Christianly things and everything, and we work real hard at doing this and doing that. But have we really taken the time to get our hearts where they need to be? The next thing that Solomon prayed for was the desire and ability to follow in verse 58. He said, turn our hearts, our hearts towards you and now give us the desire and the ability to follow you. James said, a faith without deeds is a dead faith. Because see, some people think, well, I believe in God, so I don't have to do anything else because we're saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Well, that's true. That's the start of it. But James said, a faith without deeds is a dead faith. So we can't stop with just saying, yep, I believe in Jesus. I found the, I found the heaven card. Do whatever I want to now. An inward change can be seen in outward expression. An inward change can be seen in outward expression. And Solomon is laying out of how to follow Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. What did he say first? He said, I want to be close to God. Then he said, I want to turn our hearts towards you, and then I want the desire and the ability to follow you. A faith without deeds is a dead faith. In verse 59, Solomon says, give us help with each day's need. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for <clears throat> tomorrow has its own worries. How much time 
do we actually spend worried about what's going to happen in the future instead of thanking God for what we have today? I think John thinks I'm preaching at him right now. And they're the only ones that laugh. We all do it. We worry so much about tomorrow's worries that we can't learn today's lesson. Can we just focus on today? Tomorrow's needs can be found in today's lessons. Much as I hate to admit it, I think that I learned more about being a cowboy in that one day where I wasn't horseback, where there was no photographers taking my picture as I galloped through the dusty haze, throwing my rope 60 feet, backhand, overhand turnover. There was none of that. But what God taught me is that in order to be a cowboy, and the same applies to being a Christian, what it takes is a lot more than glamour and comfortable, lazy boy Christianity. Well, I'm a Christian now, so I can just sit back, relax, turn on some Broncos football. I learned that day that there's going to be struggles in life. And I learned that day that what we were actually doing by putting that hay in that trailer was caring for others. They were horses, but they depended on us. We learned to give. A cowboy is about servanthood. And if you're a cowboy out there and you say, I ain't nobody's servant, then you ain't ever been a cowboy because I guarantee you feed the horses before you feed yourself. You make sure that the cattle are doctored while you're sick. Being a cowboy is all about servanthood, and the same thing applies to Christianity. Serving others. It's not about you and how you feel or how tired you are. It's about following God. Tomorrow's needs can be found in today's lessons. And the last thing that Solomon prayed for in his prayer was the spreading of God's kingdom out into all the world. My, how that resonates with the last thing that Jesus Christ said before He went back up into heaven after being crucified on the cross. He said, go out into all the world, making disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey my commands, and I'm going to ride with you always. Solomon said the same thing. He said, I pray that your kingdom will be spread out into all the world. Today, God is walking up to many of you here. And He's saying, Come, and I will make you fishers of men. That's what He told His first disciples that were out there fishing. He said, Come, and I'll make you fishers of men. Throw down your nets and follow Me. Today, there's somebody, and it's not one person, it's most of us in here. God is walking up to you, and He's saying, throw down your reins, let the cattle go, and I'll make you gatherers of men. God wants you to ride for Him.
not for yourself. Being a Christian is about following God. And just like Antonio told me that first day, I had these delusions of grandeur, and it was all about me and my status and what people would think of me. And he said, I'll teach you how to be a cowboy, and I guarantee you there were some hard lessons learned. And I wouldn't change a single bit of it. Life is full of trials and tribulations. And God will use those to teach you and grow you if you're willing to listen. And there's going to be times that it's hot. And there's going to be times that you're tired. And there's going to be times that you just don't want to go on. And there's going to be times when at the end of the day your trailer tire comes off and bounces over a fence. And there's not a dang thing you can do about it. But you know what? There's a lesson to be learned in that. God uses the good and all things for those that believe in Christ Jesus. You know, this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through His Word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's Word in a way that they can understand. But we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.savethecowboy.com, or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net. Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control.